have we ever thought about what kind of impact this woman had on, on her community? And we see that tonight, you know, that as soon as she has this encounter with Jesus, she goes out and she starts telling everybody who Jesus is. So a little background, you know, on after King Solomon died, you know, the nation of Israel split under his son Jeroboam. There was 12 tribes in Israel, and what happened, there were 10 to the north. The 10 tribes to the north were still called Israel. Judah and Benjamin to the south were the other two tribes, and they're, they're just called Judah. But what happens was the 10 northern tribes, they're invaded by Assyria and 722 BC and what basically happens some of the Jews there are taken off into captivity the Assyrians bring other people into that area to occupy it and to live so over time what happens is these people lose their identity you know well, one of the things that marks you as a Jew during this time was hey you only believed in one God they only believed in one God and that was Jehovah that's what sat them apart they had social political laws that they abided by you know they would only eat certain things they wouldn't work on Sunday or the Sabbath but don't you know there were things that sat them apart but over time you know as as they're taken off into captivity or people are brought in, they sort of lose their identity. And what happens over time, they become a mixed people. And it gets to the point to where, you know, the, the Jews that were pure Jews that was, had nothing but Jewish blood in them, they looked at these people with disdain, you know, as half-breeds and as dogs if you remember the woman that came to jesus from tyre and sidon sidon he actually said you know she was looking for healing for her daughter and he told her he said it ain't meat to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs now was he calling her a dog he was using the illustration but during this time you know these people were considered you know as nobodies they were they were half-breed jews they didn't practice judaism the way they were supposed to and they were just they were looked down on basically but on the Jewish identity and religion was lost and they were no longer considered Jews contact with Samaritans was often avoided now if you go back and you read this you'll see that Jesus is going from Judea to Galilee and normally what they did they actually bypassed this area of Samaria and went all the way around to keep from going through on through this area because they wanted no contact with these people so it would be like us you know say we're going to we're going to Roland, but we ain't going through pembroke we ain't want no contact with nobody in pembroke so we we go all the way down here to chicken road and go to Roland instead of going anywhere through or near pembroke because we don't want contact and that's the way the jews did you know and that's that's normally the way they did. They normally avoided any kind of contact with these Samaritans because they were looked down on them, you know. They were looked down upon them. They didn't want nothing to do with them. But this ain't the case with Jesus. So on this occasion, Jesus goes straight through Samaria, headed for Galilee, and had an encounter with a woman 
at the well, and this is where we're picking up at the now. Listen, Jesus has already had the encounter with her where she comes to draw water, and Jesus says, uh, he's sitting there on the well, and he says, uh, give me the drink. And she basically says, uh, this well's deep, and I ain't got nothing to draw with. Pretty much, what are you doing even talking to me? And Jesus says, if you knew who I was, you'd give me drink. And he goes on to tell her, he says, where's your husband? She said, I don't have a husband. He said, oh, you're right. You don't. You've had five, and the one that you got now ain't yours. And this woman has blown away. You know, she's um, she's blown away that somebody knows what kind of woman she is. But, yeah, listen. He don't avoid her. He don't he don't sit there and not speak to her. He don't shun her. This because if you think about it, I think Brother Anthony brought it out the other week. A lot of times a woman's testimony wouldn't be believed just because she was a woman. Not only is she a woman, but she's a woman that's been married five times and the man that she's with now legally ain't her husband. And Jesus lets her know, you know, hey, I know who you are, but I'm still conversating with you. I'm still talking with you. And he tells her, hey, if you knew who I was, you'd be asking me for something to drink. And he could give her that living water that she's on, that she wants. Um, that's, that's where we're at. They've just had this conversation about the five husbands that she's had and the one that she's got now is not hers. So we're picking up at verse 25 here. It says, uh, The woman said unto him, I know that the Messiah, I know that the Messiah cometh which is called to Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Now, if you go back and you look, as soon as Jesus tells this woman, Hey, yeah, you'll have five husbands and the one you've got now ain't yours she changes the subject she changes the subject and starts talking about worship she says well you know our our forefathers said that we supposed to worship in the mountains so she when jesus lets her know that he knows who she is and what she's done she changes the subject and when he starts he tells her he says listen there is coming a time that all that worship God must worship God in spirit and truth. He says, God is a spirit, and those that worship him must worship in truth and spirit. So Jesus throws it back on her. You know, he, he puts it back out there and lets her know that, hey, I know more of what you're talking about than what she's trying to change the subject to get off of her adulterous relationships. And the man that she's with now, she starts talking about and y'all know it's true. Start witnessing somebody, and the first thing they'll do is telling you all the faults of the church. They'll tell you, well, the church is this, the church is that, and they'll try to change the subject. Now, when she tries this with Jesus, it don't work. So when he, when he says that back to her, she, um... She tries to change the subject. And Jesus says, Ye worship, ye know not what. 
we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. The hour, but the hour cometh and now is when, listen to this, listen to what he tells her. He says, now, now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is the spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So she says, listen, we've always been taught that you go to the mountains up here and worship. And Jesus tells her, listen, what you have been taught, pretty much what he's saying, it ain't no good. True worshipers are going to worship God in spirit and in truth. So she tries to change the subject. But Jesus blocks her in again. She can't go nowhere. So she's trying to change it there. And then on. That's what she says in verse 25. She said the woman said unto him. I know that the Messiah cometh which is called the Christ. When he cometh he will tell us all things. Alright, but um, you see the point there he's on? She's saying, listen, basically what she's saying is, hey, when the Messiah comes, he'll tell us everything that we need to know. In other words, what she she's trying to get out of it. She knows Jesus is confronting her on her sins, so she's trying to get out of it. Jesus tells her, hey, true, there's coming a time of true worship those that worship are going to have to worship in spirit and in truth and then she says when the messiah's come he's going to tell us everything so she's saying hey she probably figures hey this is just a regular man and he's trying to tell me about worship but jesus cuts her off there that's what he tells her he says uh those that worship must worship in spirit and truth then in 26 it says Jesus said unto her, I that speaketh unto thee am he. So boy, listen. She's trying to get out of it. Little does she know. She says, when the Messiah comes, he'll teach us all this stuff. Little does she know. And Jesus comes out and tells her plainly there in verse 26. He says, the one that would teach them all things was the one that she was talking with. Listen. So he says, the one you're talking about that's going to come and teach you everything, you're standing here talking to him right now. Hey, she can't get out of that. You know, she's, he says, the one that you're expecting to come is here, and you're talking with him face to face, face to face. Oh. Now, this woman had already, when Jesus told her about her being married five times, she had called him a prophet. Now he reveals to her that she's the Messiah. And you know, I thought about that today. I said, this woman, she professed him as a prophet. He professed to her that he was the Messiah. The only other role, Jesus fulfilled three roles, prophet, priest, and king. So she got to see him and she confessed him as a prophet. He told her that he was the Messiah or the king. And then look, look what happens now in verse 27. And unto this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no one, no man said, What seekest thou? Or 
Why talkest with her? Listen. Now the disciples, Jesus had sent them away into town to get some food. He had sent them away to get some food. They showed back up, and as soon as they walk up, they look, and he's sitting there on that well talking to a Samaritan woman. Now, none of them had the nerve to ask him, why are you talking to this woman? Or what are you doing? But they're thinking it. And Jesus knows what they're thinking. So he's going, but he's going to use it as a teaching opportunity. But they didn't have the nerve to, uh, to ask him what he was doing talking to this woman. 28, it says, Then the woman left her water pot and went her way into the city and said to the men, All right, the woman, when the disciples come back, she's got to run tell what she's found out. Listen, I don't know who she had come to get that water for, but she left that, she left that water pot. She had to go tell somebody. We all know that feeling. We all know that feeling today when you got saved and you just had to go tell somebody. You know, I tell people all the time, the Sunday that I got saved, stopped at food line that day after church. And Tosh Oxenine was working for Channel 13 in there that day, and I was talking to her, and I wish so bad I'd have told her to put it on Channel 13. I told her, but I didn't tell her to tell nobody. I said, I should have. I should have got her to put me on channel 13 and let me just tell everybody. Everybody. That saved. But we know, we know the feeling, you know, this woman, she realizes, and you better believe Jesus says, I am he that thou talk, that you talk with. Y'all remember when they went to arrest him in the garden and they said, we're looking at, we're looking for Jesus. And he says, I am he. Mm -hmm. And they all fell backwards. Basically what he was saying was, I am God, the same thing that God told Moses to tell Pharaoh when he said, who's I going to tell him sent me? He said, tell him that the I am has sent you. Jesus says, I am in the garden. It knocks him down. And here he tells this woman that I am he. So he uh, he's pretty much telling her, you know, he says, I'm the one talking to you that, that you're looking for. The one standing there talking to you is the one that you're looking for. But anyway, she leaves. She leaves, leaves that water pot and goes back to the city to tell the men. Like I said, I don't know where she was going to take that water back to, but when she got back there, they probably said, where's the water at? And she said, what water? <laughs> she probably said, I, I went to get water in a pot, but I got water, living water in me. So, you know, she goes back, she leaves it. She's got to go tell the men, and that's why... We're the same way we're called to testify. And then 29, it says, um, this is her now talking to the men, people in the seat. It says, come see a man which told me all things that ever I did is not this the Christ. She tells them to come and see a man that's told her all things that she's ever did. He's got to be the Christ, but they needed to come see themselves. You notice that? Not only did she tell them about Jesus, she said, but hey, y'all need to come see him. You know, and that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to we're supposed to invite people out. We're supposed to testify and not only tell them about Jesus, but give them an opportunity to meet him. You know, how many times do we pass up opportunities when we could mm. 
we could pray with somebody and we could introduce them to Jesus, but all we do is tell them about it. And we don't give them an opportunity to meet it, you know, meet him. It would be like, and I wish it would happen, but y'all remember these people used to come to your house, sell you these vacuum cleaners, <laughs> and they'd go through this hour-long spiel about the vacuum cleaner. What if they'd have told you all about that vacuum cleaner and everything that it would do and never showed it to you and never tried to get you to buy it? Wouldn't that have been useless? Mm -hmm. Think about that. How, how dumb is it for us to tell people about Jesus and never give them an opportunity to meet him? And a lot of them, you know, I think if we'd ask, they'd probably say, yeah, I'd like to know this man named Jesus. I look at I love to watch a Billy Graham altar call. That man could give an altar call like, and I mean, it was simple, but people responded to it. He gave them opportunity to meet Jesus, and that's what this woman does. Not only does she go tell them, but she says, hey, y'all need to come see this man that told me everything that I had ever done. And they listened, they listened to her on 30. Then went they out of the city and came unto him. She listened to this. She may have been the least respected person in the community, but they had to come see for themselves. Listen, there had to be something different about this woman. When she went back, she may have been the scum of the earth, according to some of them. She may have been the woman that had five and was working on the sixth husband, you know. But there was something about her. When they seen that change in her life, there was something about the way she spoke or something that was different about it that these people couldn't help it. They got to go see for themselves. And you know, that's that's how it is. I think a lot of times if we if we'd invite people to come see the one that, that changed their life, I think a lot of times they'd probably come just to see the one that that have made the change in us the way he's done. But like I said, um, she may have been a nobody when she went there to that well, but when she left, she was somebody that people would listen to. And that's that's how it is, you know. Once you have that encounter with Jesus, it's always, somebody will be able to tell, somebody will be able to tell that difference. And a lot of, a lot of them will want what you got. They may not admit it, but they want what you got. Hey, I'll admit it. Before I got saved, I had a friend that got saved, and hey, I wanted I wanted what he had. His wife told me one time, she said, hey, when he gets mad or upset, she said, he'll go in that bedroom and take that Bible, and he'll stay in there. She said, he, when he comes out, he's all right. I don't know what he does, but she said he goes in there with that Bible, and hey, I wanted that. And, and a lot of times, if if we knew well, people weak. people want what we got when they see you with that joy and that peace mm -hmm. and that they might might not tell you, but they want what you got. They want what you got, and that's what happens with this woman. There was something about her. There's something about this woman that caused these other people to come to where Jesus was at. Hey, they they come looking for him themselves. I mean.
Can we say that tonight that we've ever caused anybody to, to go look for Jesus for themselves? In verse 31 it says, In the meanwhile his disciples prayed him saying, Master, eat. So listen, um, I know it sounds bad, but the disciples, it sounds like all they're worried about was eating. But if you think about it, I don't know what the distance was from Judea to Galilee, but it's a pretty good walk. They're walking. Jesus has already sent them out to look for food. They come back. They're ready to eat. Pretty much what they're saying in verse 31 is, hey, they didn't say it. They were probably tired. And they say, uh, Master, let's eat. So when this woman runs off, they're trying to get Jesus to eat. But what we're going to say here is Jesus used this as a teaching opportunity. Not only he just taught the woman a lesson, but he's getting ready to teach them a lesson also. In verse 32, it says, uh, But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Alright, using this as a teaching moment, Jesus tells them that he has meat or food that they don't even know about. And now here's what you need to remember. I think I brought this out the other week, but, you know, Jesus' whole life was about obedience. He said it over and over and over. He came to do, do the will of the Father. You know, he says, you know, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I came to do the will of the Father, you know, in the garden. He said, uh... Let this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not my will, but that, but, but thine be done. You know, Jesus was all about obedience. He was, when he came to this earth, he was here and he knew what he was going to end up like. He knew that he was going to end up on that cross, but he was still, the Bible says that he was obedient even unto death. So here he is, he's telling these disciples to do um, his whole, his whole life was about obedience to the Father. And listen to this. He filled himself by doing the will of the Father. That was his meat or food. Listen, basically what Jesus is saying, listen. I get my fulfillment by doing what the Father has sent me to do. I mean... We already seen him early in his ministry. He went 40 days without eating so I mean it ain't like he's got to have the food he's already been 40 days and 40 nights without eating so he said listen I get my fulfillment off of doing what God called me to do not not eating he's he's getting ready he's teaching these boys a lesson um, and then in 33 he says um Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought brought him out to eat? So they start asking the questions of each other from each other. I guess they're looking at one another wondering, Hey, has he already ate and we don't know it? Oops. 
other. The disciples began asking each other if they ever brought him something to eat. But then look what Jesus hears them. He knows what they're saying, what they're thinking. Listen to what he says in 34. He says, it says, Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Again, talking about obedience. Again, Jesus emphasizes his obedience to the Father. By ministering to this woman's need is what fulfilled his appetite. Listen. Basically what he's saying is, hey, what fulfills my appetite is doing what I just done when I revealed to this woman who I was, that I was the Messiah. You know, that's where I get my fulfillment from. Uh, not worldly things or even food. Like I said, Jesus ain't got to have, he ain't got to have three meals a day. Now, he was He was God in the flesh and he was man. He yeah. ate. And there's a lot of emphasis on eating in the Bible. If you get back and look, Jesus actually cooked for his disciples. He broke bread with them numerous times but he's telling them here listen my thing is obedience i came to do the will of my father and that's where i get my fulfillment from and y'all know it's true if the lord's called you to do something and you ain't doing it you ain't fulfilled and you won't never be fulfilled until you start carrying out that call that god's placed on your life and that's basically what he's telling them here and then in 35, he says, uh, Say ye not that there are four months, and then the harvest come. Behold, I say unto you, Lift up your eyes and look into the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Um, harvesting a crop usually happens about four months after the seeds are sown. However, when it comes to harvesting souls, the time is now. Listen on. <coughs> Jesus is telling them now. I know that y'all know that when you plant seeds, you got to wait usually around four months or sometime before you can harvest that crop. But I'm telling you now, basically what he's saying was that woman was here. I saw that she had a need and I met that need. And you need to do the same thing. There ain't no time to wait. Now, we always talk about people putting it off. And there, it's true, there's a lot of people in hell tonight that have planned on getting saved. But let me ask you this. How often do we put off witnessing when, when we know that we should have? Hey, we need to have that same urgency. Hey, I might not get a chance to uh, witness to this person again. And I've had it happen to me. I've encountered people and then... A day or two later, maybe even that same day, you hear that that person's died, and the first thing that popped in your head was, "Boy, I shoulda, I shoulda witnessed to him. I shoulda done this. I shoulda done that." We need to, we need to treat that person with the same urgency that we know is on their life, and that's what Jesus is saying. Listen, this woman was here. She had a need, and I met it. There ain't no sense in waiting. He said, now, I know that when you plant a crop, you wait four months. But listen, this harvest is ready now. Now, a lot of the writers think that he was probably looking, seeing that woman coming back with a bunch of people following her. And he's saying, look, look, coming there at that harvest. Y'all better get ready to, to harvest some souls. Now, he's already told them that 
they'd be fishers of men, but they're getting ready to be farmers too and harvest the crop. So that's what he's uh, that's what he's referring to. That when it comes to harvesting souls, the time is now. Hey, we don't need to wait. No, we need to we need to treat it with the urgency that this might be the last time that we see that person. This might be the last time that we get to share the gospel with them because we never know. It could be. And especially today, the way people are—I mean, you can—you can see people day and hear about them this evening dying. I mean, it ain't nothing uncommon, but we need to have that same urgency. But that's what he's telling them. He says, "Listen, the harvest—the harvest is right." And then in thirty-six, he says, "Oh." And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto unto eternal life unto life eternal. But he that soweth and he that reapeth that he soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And the gospels though that sow that they that receive that reap receive the benefits. But here's the thing about it. We receive the benefits here. And in the life to come. I tell you what. If you ain't never led nobody to the Lord. And it didn't make you feel like shouting. And the thing about it. Everybody that we lead to the Lord. We're going to get a reward for that. You can get a crown for being a soul winner. So not only. You know Jesus is saying. I know normally that. One sows and one reaps. But we're going to get that blessing. Not only in our life to come. But hey. You're going to be blessed here in this life now, you know, I think about that. Just imagine if every person that Billy Graham led to the Lord led another person to the Lord. Imagine all the souls that that man would have had a hand in went into the Lord. It's been estimated that he may have actually preached or shared the gospel with a billion people. I mean, that's a lot of people. And if he won... <coughs> A hundred million of those to the Lord and they turn around and want somebody to the Lord. That's a lot of people that he's going to get a reward for one day. But, uh, Jesus said, you know, normally 37 it says, and herein is that saying true. One soweth and one reapeth. Normally that's how it's done. One sows and one reaps. But listen to what he says in 38. In 38, he says, I send you to reap that whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. Listen, he's saying, however, in this case, you're about to reap the, um, reap the immediate harvest that he and others planted. Listen, Jesus had that encounter with that woman. She ran to town, came back. And all these people followed him back to meet Jesus. He said, listen, y'all get ready to reap a harvest. You know, they're about to benefit from somebody else's labor. And listen, that's one good thing about the Lord. He told the children of Israel before they ever went in the promised land. He told them through Moses. Moses told them, he said, God's going to give you wells you didn't dig, vineyards you didn't plant, and houses you didn't build. You know, that was... Sometimes that's how God will do it. We might, we might be the one that sows the seed. We might be the one that waters 
But when God comes along and gives that increase, we get a little bit of credit for it. You know, that's um, like we had a brother here Sunday night, and he uh, and he told us that you know one time at a one of the worst points in his life that took his kids to school and said, Sister Cassandra told him, said, Hey, Kevin, come to church. We love you and we're praying for you. He said, Man, you don't know what that did for me. So listen. Sandra had a little Sandra had a hand and that guy coming to know the Lord here at church you know she was one of the ones that planted the seed or watered it but on that Sunday that he came forth you know God gave the increase but we can all have a part in this harvesting process God can allow us to to be a uh, part of winning souls to the Lord and that's all uh, that's what he's saying on um, in verse 39, he says, uh, it says, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him. Listen to this. Many of the Samaritans believed on him for the sayings of the woman, which testified, he told me all things that I ever did. Now, and this is what the lesson is based on, the testimony of the woman caused others to believe on him to believe on him her testimony caused others to come to faith in Jesus so you tell me testifying ain't important mm. telling somebody about Jesus ain't important this woman had a part and these people it says many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him so this woman that was five husbands and then there are a sixth one goes out the very person that we think God won't use like brother Anthony said last week you know all you got to do is be available you ain't got to be perfect you ain't got to have a perfect past you can be the worst thing that people thought ever walked this earth but if God gets a hold of you and changes you and calls you to go out and be a vessel for him you can have the same impact that this woman had because her testimony caused others to believe on him so listen that's why that's why we're called to testify we're called to be that voice we're called to be that one that can share about the goodness of god he says in 40. so when the samaritans were coming to him they besought him that he would tarry with them and he abode there two days so these people, these Samaritans come out based on this woman's testimony now. They come out and they pretty much beg Jesus to stay. Jesus ends up, listen, what turns into a trip straight through Samaritan to keep from going around it turns into a two-day stay. Now can you imagine what happened in those two days? The Bible says that if everything that was written down that Jesus had done, there ain't enough books in the world that could contain everything i believe he's done a lot in these two days while he was here that we don't know about that this woman caused with her testimony so you tell me that you know i tell people all the time and if you're in my sunday school class y'all know that i give a lot of honor and respect to women because hey the women were the last at the cross they were the first at the tomb here he is, Jesus reveals directly to her that he is the Messiah, the one that they've been waiting on. Hey, and I tell people, I came in here that Sunday 
And all I can tell you was Miss Eva stood up and testified and it was on then. <laughs> and after that, Sister E ended up looking me dead in the eye, telling me she didn't, that she loved me. And that was one of the things that, that won me to the Lord. So listen, you tell me that somebody's testimony can't win somebody to the Lord. I'll prove you different by this lesson mm -hmm. tonight. Listen, if the devil can keep you, get you to keep your mouth shut, that's more people that he can keep out of heaven. Think about it like that. If you don't tell nobody, nobody ain't going to know. Hey, God uh, God gave us two ears to hear, so we ought to, we ought to talk twice as much about the Lord through both ears. But anyway, he says right there in verse 40, that um that they they were so intrigued that they asked Jesus to stay and he does for two days. So he, what turns into a quick trip turns into a two day stay. And then forty one and forty two says um and many more believe because of his word and said unto the woman and said unto the woman now we believe not because of thy saying for we have heard him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Look at that. She don't save him, but she gets him there to where Jesus is at. Listen, we can't save nobody, but we can get them to where Jesus is at. We can lead them to where Jesus is at. Like we said when we had that lesson on being fishers of men, we catch them and he'll clean them. So, if, hey, if we can get them to bite, he'll reel them in and do the cleaning and all that stuff but um they came because of her testimony but many believed after they heard him for themselves so listen she got them to come he done the teaching and they end up believing on him so this woman this woman fulfilled her duty after she encountered the lord jesus christ there at that well she was called to testify and that's exactly what she did listen I'm going to say this in conclusion. She had five and was on number six until she met the right one. Have you met the right one? Listen, there's a lot of people out there today. Somebody was telling me the other day about somebody that had been married seven times. Seven times. They ain't met the right one. Because I guarantee you this woman... This woman was on number six, but when she met the right one, she weren't looking for happiness no more in a man I don't believe. I believe that when she went home, she probably cleaned the house. You know, that was the kind of change that he had made in her mind, in her heart and life. But let me ask you that, have you met him? Now she met him in a well. Only other person I know I believe it was Brother Grant. Didn't Brother Grant get saved at the well, pumping the well after Sister Reed got saved, his daughter, and he got saved? But, uh, I don't know where you met him at, but I met him in here at this altar. Uh, and it don't matter where you meet him at as long as you meet him. But let me say this. So, like Jesus said, he got fulfillment by doing the will of his Father. What fills you up? I tell you what, if you don't know, try testifying. But I tell you what, when you start talking about him, something starts 
turning on the inside. Jeremiah said it was like fire shut up in his bones. He had made up his mind he weren't going to talk about God, but he couldn't help it. Hmm. I call it getting a good case of the can't help us. I ain't going to say, say nothing, but you can't help it. Hey, mm -hmm. I had that problem when I first got saved and started teaching. I actually got threatened by some students that they were going to report me. They said, all you do is preach in this class. I said, report <laughs> me. God gave me this job. He'd give me another one. I might end up as the superintendent if y'all report me. You know? But, uh, hey, I told him, I said, I'd take that as a compliment. I'd love to end up on the news. Teacher gets fired for talking about Jesus, you know? But let me ask you that. What fills you up? What fills you up? And then the last thing I'm going to say, and I thought about this as I was studying this lesson. Now, when this woman went back to town, undoubtedly, somebody saw her and said, boy, I want what she's got. Let me ask you this tonight. Can anybody say, I want what he or she has got? Can anybody say that about you? I had a fellow one time told me he was at a church preaching and all. Uh, Said he had a, a guy that came up and gave the altar call and the guy came up and he started talking to him and said, uh, man, uh, you want to be saved? He said there was a guy there in that church that he knew, one of his friends, and said the fellow looked at him and said, I just want what he's got. You know, how many of us can say that tonight? Can somebody say that about us? I want what he or she's got. If they can, you need to bring them to Jesus. If not, you need to tell them what your key is, your happiness. Like I said, if you don't know what your calling is, I can tell you one of them. You're called to testify. Mm -hmm. you're, called to, you're called to tell somebody about Jesus. So when you, when you leave here and when you go out tomorrow, if you're going to work or school, tell somebody about Jesus because you have been called. You can tell somebody, well, I don't know what my calling is, but I know I've been called to testify. So testify to somebody every chance you get. Mm -hmm. And we appreciate y'all. Thank everybody. Y'all be back next week. We're all... Next week is... Called to... Called to support... We're called to support the ministry, and I think that's what we're looking at next week. But I appreciate everybody. We'll see y'all next week. Y'all have a y'all have a good night. We love you.